Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. So, you know, that record, I just want to give you props too on what I really dug on, on that record. And, and we never talked about how the microwave name came to be. I used to play in my father's band back when, before I left here, I was maybe 18, 19. He had a band called Memphis Phase 2. And it was called Memphis Phase 2 because we were in Champagne, but most of the players were from Memphis, so Phase 2 of Memphis. So, and me and him didn't see eye to eye musically, or we didn't see eye to eye on nothing, period. And anything I did, we, we, we disagreed. And one day, he he just said he said um you know what I would be glad when you get out of my band because he couldn't fire because then he had a problem with my mother I would be glad when you quit when you get out of my band I said and I would be glad to leave whenever and so a couple of weeks later I left now my uncle uncle Bobby he's a guitar player he lives in Rock Island Illinois which is where Jesse Johnson is from and all them guys you know most of uh Maserati so I ran to him. Like, man, you, you're, 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 you're your brother, your brother, you don't want me in his band. I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, man, just go solo. Go solo. He said, I AMF, I got a name for you. I said, what? He said, call yourself Microwave. I said, you mean like the other? He said, no, Microwave. He said, I've been thinking about that for a long time. You got to call yourself Microwave. I'm like, okay. Now, at this point, I'm afraid to go solo because I've never been a solo artist. I'm a band guy. I don't want to let my guys down. You know, all the guys that I was always in bands with and, and, and it was my brothers and them. It's like, so I, 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 I used the name, but I kept the R in. I called it microwave because it sounded more like a bunch of people <laughs> to me. Eventually, you know, it, I just got brave and it's like, you know, let's kick that R out of there. I am microwave and I cut it into two words, microwave. And that's where that came from. I mean, there's been other stories that I told, but that's, the truth in the rhythm. So it goes back quite a way. <laughs> That's what we want. That, yeah. that goes back quite a ways then, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was um, 19, 19, 20 years old. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and, you know, most of it was just me being afraid to go solo. I And I'm glad I didn't call it Michael Lane. I don't think that would have caught on, you know. Uh, so I, I thought it was a good move for me once I did it. And like I was saying, it, it, it depends on where I'm at, what people call me that, you know, in Vegas, it's Miko Wave, <laughs> you know. So I know anybody that says Miko Wave is like, yep, that's my Vegas people. In uh, Ohio, 
it's wave because that's what Bootsy called me. Bootsy called me wave or wait, Michael wait, you know, or wait, you know, wait a minute. And um, then uh, Illinois, it's my real name, it's Michael Lang. So I can tell where I, where I know people from. You know, it's like, yeah. Miko, Miko wave makes me think of uh, Miko from the 70s. It Miko? like that Star Wars disco. Remember? Oh, really? Who, who was that? M-E-C-O, Miko, did like uh, disco uh, Star Wars hit. <laughs> well, a lot of people will, will put it over there with Prince because of Miko Weaver. There you go. Yep. His guitar player. Yep. And uh, yeah, so a lot of people will do that. Uh and and you know, so that's that's the name. That's where it came from. Yeah. Well, miss, you know, the the big hit misunderstood always struck me as sort of a a combination of like the Janet Jackson sound with Roger <laughs> and some Jesse Johnson flavor thrown in there. Right. You know, man, that that's that's crazy. I I and I know that was that era, and I never. That's what I was after, and you got it dead on, dead on with that one. And, and that was just something I wrote, man. It, it, it just, we wrote it and, and cut it on four track. Um, and I just sung a bunch of words. They don't even make sense. The song makes no sense at all to me. So, but in terms of the series of events, you know, I know you did some work with Herbie at the time, like you said, he was on mm -hmm. Columbia. And then Bootsy also did a Columbia record. So right. Bootsy came after you, and and you yep. also uh, appeared on on those recordings. What songs yep. and? Yep. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what tracks were you on on that? Uh, what's Bootsy doing? I was. I wrote "Kissing You." I want to be kissing you. Um, I wrote that, so I played on that one. I played on "Party on Plastic," and the rest of the songs. He used Trey Stone as the keyboard player we were just bringing in. We we wanted to go somewhere different with that. Uh, and I think when he did most of that record, I was on tour. Um, I might have done the demos with him, but when he went in to cut, he cut. He got his deal after me. So he started cutting after my album had first came. We had to finish mine first. And, and then he had to go in and cut. And when I was on tour. We had just finished um, Malcolm McLaren when I went on tour. We, we did, we finished mine and then we went back to Detroit and did Malcolm McLaren. I went on tour, came back, his record was out. And I think we did, went after that and so we went and did Herbie. No, we, Herbie was earlier in the game. And it's funny how those happen because with Trouble Funk, Boosie would tell me on like Monday, hey, we're going to DC, you write some songs for Trouble Funk. When we going Boosie? Wednesday. You gonna give me two days? That's it. Happened. I wrote. I don't mean style. Wrote the single for the album, and, and we recorded it. Same thing with Herbie. Tuesday. Hey, wave. We're gonna record with Herbie. You gotta write. We need two songs from you. When we going? Friday. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know how I work now. <laughs> no pressure. That's so I write it the day before we leave and we'd get out there man and Herbie would be in the studio with us but he wasn't really there I played all of that stuff Herbie'd come in and play a couple of jazz chords and be like hey y'all got this you got this Mikey and say yeah he said okay because I'm gonna go over here and record with Wynton Marcellus and I ain't staying around here for this he don't, he's not doing it he's gonna well, put his part on which is gonna take him a minute then he's out Bill Laswell was in that mix too. At that point, Bootsy was Absolutely. doing a lot of work with him. So, what yes. was what was he like? What was your exposure to to Bill Laswell? 
Bill Laswell, man, is a genius. A genius. One thing I learned from him, the first thing I learned, well, I learned several things, but the first thing I learned from Bill Laswell was record everything. Don't miss nothing. Bill Laswell has microphones all over the studio running the whole time you're in there. If it's not on tape, it's on the microphones that's on the dat tape. You don't miss nothing because if you miss that one thing, that was the thing you want. Can you play that back? Oh, it's gone. He's got thousands on thousands of tapes of just the room of things that people are saying, doing, playing. We're not going to miss nothing. And that's the first thing I learned from him is don't miss nothing. Um, he had told he had told me a story about um, Motorhead. You, you know, Motorhead. Uh, yeah. They were they were actually recording. I think in quad we were recording in quad, and uh, one of the stories you told me was he said the Lemmy bass player. He said Bill <laughs> said he was mixing and he was mixing and he turned the bass down too far and Lemmy the bass player came in. He said man turn the bloody bass up. He said oh man I can't turn the bass up no more. And he said oh bad bad I can. And so Lemmy just turned all the faders up on the bass, and now the speakers are going. Okay, you know Bill uh, Laswell he's a New Yorker. He went in his bag. Pulled out a Uzi, shot up all the speakers. I said, can you hear the bass now? <laughs> That's a real story. And when he told me, I was like, man, y'all are crazy up. And he said, man, it was expensive. He said, but can you hear the bass now? Just I was like, wow. That was my introduction to uh, Motorhead music. But I had seen Motorhead before because they played in my town. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, everything is a learned experience with these guys, man. And I, I've worked with greats with legends nothing but legends and i've been blessed to been able to do that man i, I and i tell people I, I i don't consider myself a legend but i consider myself the most famous unfamous person on the planet that's who i am everybody i've worked with all these people a lot of people don't know me they're what, not like I, yeah, go ahead well what, what exposure did you get to uh, bernie world oh my god Okay, now, now we're talking. Bernie, one thing we never talked about was what we do. We never talked about keyboards. Never, ever have I had a, what's that new synth you got, Bernie? What's that piano over there? What'd you play on such and such? Bernie, when Bernie met me, Bernie hugged me and was like, you are my son, period. He came to Tokyo. He played this. This stuff is on YouTube. You can see it on there. We finished the show. I introduced everybody. It was Gary, Bernie, Hiram Bullock was on guitar with us that night. Hiram, Gary, Bernie, a couple other people. Sheila E was on drums. They were all together. I introduced the band. Bernie stopped the whole band. He said, y'all stop. Break it down. Break it way down. I want to introduce y'all to my son, Michael Wave. Michael Wave. That's Bernie really felt like that about me. And I roll with him. You know, it's like this cat man is unbelievable and, and just the nicest guy in the world. Um, now, in probably 2006, P-Funk was playing in Vegas at the Palms and I went backstage and Bernie saw me. They were probably about 30 minutes out of the show before the end of the show, which means they probably been playing for three hours already. And Bernie was like, Mikey, he saw me behind him. He's on keys. He said, take over. 
and they were just playing the groove. So I just jumped on clavinet and started playing. You know, they finished that song. They went to the next one. I'm looking around like, come on, Brian, where you at? Thank you very much, P-Funk. Thank y'all. I was like, wait a minute, I just finished the show. Bernie, I, and I, I went to the dress room. I said, Bernie, what happened? He said, man, I told you, take over. I said, okay, you supposed to come back? He said, no, take over. I'm done. <laughs> he said, I quit. <laughs> He's done. So I'm done with P-Funk. It's your gig now. I was like, no, nah, man, I ain't doing that. <laughs> I thought you meant to take over the song. He's like, no, I'm done. <laughs> wow. That's Bernie. <laughs> he never came back. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, fun with P fun. P fun. What, what, what mm. was what, what would you say is the most important um, music business or studio lesson that you learned from Bootsy? Huh, man, there's so many. I, I you know, Bootsy grew me up, uh, not only as a musician but just as a man. You know, um, I came there unfinished. I came there green. Um, he, he grew me up um, like you do. You, this how you do in life. You know, this is what you want. This is how you treat women. This is how you do this. This is how we're going to do with this music, you know, and anywhere we would go. If Bootsy would sign an autograph, this before any of my records, if he would sign an autograph, he'd hand me the paper and pen, sign your name. I said, man, he said, not yet. Sign your name now. If I sign, you sign it. Um, he's the most giving. You, you won't find anybody more giving than him. Um, what you see is what you get with him. Um, he's not, oh, yeah, Bob, he's not that guy unless you need him to be, you know, but he knows what that is. He's a, he's the knock, knock on the door. Yeah. Hey man, I cooked some eggs. You, you, I got you some eggs. You want some eggs? Mom cooked some eggs. You know, and then we wore her out because we were over her head stomping. <laughs> you know, but we it, it, you got both of us there. Now she got. It's almost like you know, two kids just up there having romper room. No man, we stomping with these beats and just stomping. And and we used to wear her down with that stuff. And I felt for it. So you know, and then, and then at some point, I, I I after probably about six months, I said, you know what, Bootsy maybe a year or so, I said, I need to move into my own spot. I'm 23 years old. I'm living out here with y'all because we lived out in Newtown, which is 30 miles outside of Cincinnati. I'm trying to get to where the action is, you know? And I'm like, Boosie, I need to go. So we moved into the um, fifth floor. You remember, I don't know if you remember that name, Fifth Floor Studios, mm -hmm. but that's where Bootsy's rehearsal hall was in the basement of that, right? that he had for years. So I was like, man, I'll just stay in the rehearsal hall. So man, my band stayed with me. These guys were like, man, let's go. We're going to stay in the rehearsal hall. No bathroom, no shower. It was a bathroom, no shower. It didn't matter. We was down there kicking it. We were rehearsing. And, and, and we're down there. You know, Boosie gave it to us. Like, here's the key. Go do what y'all going to do. And, and, and so we were sleeping on top of like these big white cases. You know, we used his space-based speakers for our front of house PA system. You know, we did stuff like that. That's what we did. And and we never knew we'd sleep every night on top of these cases. We never knew what they were until one day when we got out of there. Those were the uh, that was the uh, the spaceship in those cases <laughs> or the part that Bootsy had or whatever. Some of that, some of them props. And I'm like, wow, we sleeping on that. So that's what Bootsy is, man. He's a giver and. So we lived there, and then I ended up leaving there because I was like, okay, I'm done with this. 
I want to move into a house. Boots like, all right, well, move into the house with Catfish. So Catfish had a two-story house that Bootsy owned, and I lived upstairs, and Catfish lived downstairs. And so uh, uh, I had a studio upstairs. Once again, here I am with the stomping. Catfish didn't like it. Catfish didn't like me or Bootsy, though. We did music, and he, he didn't want nothing to do with that. <laughs> he couldn't stand us. Like, man, y'all need to go somewhere with that noise. So Catfish eventually sent me to Japan. He's like, man, just go to Japan. Just go to work. So they sent us over there for maybe, I think we did 90 days in, in Sapporo, Hokkaido. And then while I was there, they called us back. It's like, okay, you got a record deal. So I came on back. So yeah, that that that's Bootsy. He's a giver. He, he, he give you the shirt off his back. And, you know, it, it, you can hear it in his music. There's nothing ill about him at all. You hear it. Uh, anybody that says something about ill about Bootsy, I, 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 70, 75%, I think the line, the Bootsy I know, they took it wrong. Did, period. Did, did not you, to what extent did you get to perform on stage at all with Bootsy? Uh, no. That was one of the places. Um, he never did any shows while we were tight. He was, you know, eight years, no, no deal, no shows. And by the time he started doing shows, I was living in Japan. Um, but when I got back from Japan, this was maybe eight years ago, he called me. He's like, look, I'm getting ready to go back on tour. I want you to go. I want you to do whatever you want to do. You want to. Uh, uh, this is the new Boosie's rubber band. He said, you, you want to direct the band? You want to do your stuff on stage? Let me know what you want to do. And then, you know, the thing happened. He went out and I, I wasn't interested at the time. I had just gotten back to the, to, not back to the States, but back to, I'd left Vegas. I'd been in Vegas for a while. And I was like, let me get back with you on that. It just wasn't something. I didn't want to go on the road or something happened. I can't remember so he would come on stage with me when I was touring. So I got to experience that part, how he would take a crowd and just gather them up. And it's like, how the hell did you just do that? He said, man, you got to You got to own this. <laughs> but he used to, you know, even when I was playing local, he would come and see me. He wouldn't jump on stage. But when I started touring as the the the. The sign microwave, he jump up there, what's the name of this town? And everybody lose their mind. I'm like, man, I, this Bootsy, you can't, there's no way around him. Yeah. <laughs> no way. You Larger than like life, that. for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's in him. And that's who he is. That's who he is. One big hug, you know, period. He's, there's nothing ill about Bootsy. So, yeah. When you went out as microwave, um, Mm -hmm. Who were some of the other groups that you got to uh, have on the bill? Uh, Levert was one. Uh, Jesse Johnson. Well, not Jesse Johnson. Uh, 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 the Crash. Michael Cooper. Uh, was we? We, we did a lot with Regina Bell, which I don't understand that bill. But she was a label mate. That's probably why. Yeah, uh, Tony Terry, and then I, I did more promotional tours with. Tony Terry, uh, Tina Marie, uh, Michael Bolton, Henry Lee Summer, and Joan Jett. We went out a lot together, but we were just all Columbia on promotions. You know how that was. It wasn't, nobody was doing shows, but we were always out on the road together. We'd meet and just 
we just all walk around and we walk in these places that Columbia would have set up and people would be, all these executives would be there, radio people and, you know, uh, music directors and music uh, program directors. And we just walk in and just start hugging people and shaking hands and giving them money. <laughs> you know how yeah. it yeah. <laughs> But when you see that happen, when you see Joan Jett, Michael Bolton, Tina Marie, Michael Wave, Tony Terry, and Henry Lee Summer walk in a room, something's about to happen. So it's what we did back then. Yeah. Do you remember the experience of, of hearing your single like on the radio or at a club or something like that for the first time? And how did you first time hear about that? No. Yeah. I was driving from Cincinnati to um, Champaign, right now 74 West. And as soon as I hit Indianapolis, I heard boom. I heard them. I'm like, oh, no, that's my song. It's on the biggest race. One of the stations I used to tell you we used to go down there and listen to. And it came on. It's like, oh, I pulled over on the highway. I have to hear this. I have to hear it outside. I turned the car off. Listen, just listen to the radio. It's like, wow. You know, I went straight to a phone booth. It was WTLC. That was a radio station. I said, hey, hey, y'all. Y'all just paid my record. This is my wave. It's like, is it? Is okay, come over and do a radio interview. I was like, I'll be right there. Big mistake. <laughs> Columbia. <laughs> Columbia found out I did that. They're like, what are you doing? I was like, hey, I heard the record. I wouldn't want to talk about it. It's like, you can't do that. <laughs> I was like, wow. I was just excited, man. I was really excited when I heard that. And it's just like any other artist, the first time you hear your stuff, you're going, you've heard it a thousand times, but when you hear it through those speakers, and then the, the next thing, I, the big thing I heard was, you remember uh, uh, Entertainment Tonight? They played it during the birthday section. And me and my manager were, were in Chicago at his house. But we were in his office and he had this little black and white TV in there. And it came on. He's like, look, they're getting ready to play. And it came on. He's like, let's go in the living room and look at it in color. <laughs> I'm like, wow. It's going to sound the same, Bill. So, yeah, man, that, it, it's exciting, man. And I still get excited. Uh, some things just never change, man. You know, I, I'm still get, I still get excited, even when uh, other songs that I've done for other people. Even now, the stuff that I have out now, you know, I'll hear stuff and go, yeah, that's it. And, and that's uh, that's that's what it's all about, man. You know, it's, yeah, you got to enjoy remember, that. I remember Roger that. was was saying one time that you know he was had a proud moment. Roger Troutman, he said he turned on the radio and. On one station, Instant Replay was playing, and on the other one, I Want to Be Your Man was playing. It's like, yeah, that's that's my guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, yeah, we, we've had some good times with that, man. And some stuff I heard <laughs> and I didn't know it was me until I heard it. I'm like, man, is that me? That is me. Got to did this song. So, yeah, lots of fun in radio and uh, grocery stores. So... After uh, that, you started piling up all these uh, records and music, like you were saying. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, from a fan's perspective, mm -hmm. you know, you fell off the radar a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, didn't know really what was going on. So, you know, what was what was life like for you uh, in the 90s? And um, One thing that, that Bootsy taught me was... You don't have to be a star. Do you? And things will happen. When you wake up and you have to be Bootsy, you got a problem. 
when you wake up and you got to put on the star glasses and you got to put on the boots, you know, we wake up, Bootsy will wake up and then some, some, uh, you know, he, he's a cartoon character. So that's automatic. Everything you do is going to be funny. And he, 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 he's going to wake up, he's going to have on some pajamas with, with, uh, 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 the, the, the Brady Bunch on, you know, and, and that's who he is. And he taught me that early that don't get caught up in the hype because when it goes away, then you're dead, you know. So life was the same. Um, I've always understood what he taught me was understand the difference between Michael Lane and Michael Wave because you don't always get to be microwave and i learned that quick when i came back to my mom's house when i was microwave one day <laughs> when i was when i had probably just finished uh bet talking to donnie simpson i came home like i ain't gonna take the trash i ain't taking <laughs> quick reality check. Back, yeah yeah I, I need to hire somebody you ain't bringing nobody in my house you better take that trash out boy i don't know who you think you are you you are growing yourself so you become you have to understand the business of the business and, and, and you become that person when you need to be that person. It's the people who don't know how to stop being those persons, those people when it's not happening anymore. So life for me was, it's like, okay, we don't have records on the chart, but we still have a studio. We still have gigs. We can still go overseas. We can still score film. I have a lot of things and, and I don't only do music, uh, I, I'm also a woodworker. I, I, I build things, you know. I I take houses apart and rebuild them. Uh, that's not my job. It's what I love doing, you know. Um, so th there's a lot of other things that I do other than music. Um, I paint. I, uh, I call myself a piece of an artist. Uh, I'm, I, this studio here I built, uh, the studio in there I built. I probably built 10 studios in my life. I teach. I, um, I find a lot of other things that satisfy me other than music, you know. Um, and I have a bunch of grandkids. I don't get to see a lot of them, but I, I will sooner or later, as soon as this, just, this COVID is done. But so for most of the 90s, I toured. I, I lived all overseas from Japan to the Philippines, Hong Kong. As microwave or as something? Yeah, as microwave, but not doing microwave music i was doing top 40s i was a lounge guy you know and in vegas i i toured i, I lived in vegas for seven years i ran one of the big shows there i, I was a music director for uh purple rain which is a prince tribute mm. uh the biggest one of the biggest prince tributes in the country we it went from the boardwalk casino to david letterman so i stayed busy you know i did um I was production you know i did the um, cali swag district that teach me how dougie album i did that um done i've done so much music and and then i got into scoring film um you know i just had things to do that 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 don't stop me from being microwave i can still be i don't have to be him i, I can just go do whatever i'm gonna do you know I, then I, I don't sit down you know um that's one thing i don't do so there's always something to do and, and i'm not stuck on that guy if, if you um, went through that situation over again with Columbia and what happened there, would you do anything differently? That would, no, because that, I did everything that I could do, that, that I was capable of doing. I did the records. I couldn't change it. I couldn't, well, maybe I could have 
went up in Bellevue of DeVoe's house and tore it down or something so they couldn't come out. <laughs> you know, that's the only thing that would change that. You know, it's just, it, it, it was it was a welcoming change. You know, we ran that and, and music was looking for somewhere to go. It was just like, it was like a virus. You know, it, it was like, we need to go latch on to something here. And it found that, you know, it found those, set, those sets of people. Um, but the best thing to do is if you can't beat them, join them. And so I started producing that stuff. You know, it's like the one album they told me, yeah, we need you sound more like Babyface. So I did an album called Babyface, uh, called Face to Face. <laughs> I was trying to be funny. This album's called Face to Face. Some of it sound like Babyface. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to change this course as I walk down my stairs up to my studio. It's all there on the walls, man. Everything I've done, uh, it's it's on the walls. You know things about me that 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 you should know because it's in the history books, you know? And speaking of books, there's a couple of books that I actually made it into. Uh, one, where they're talking about the history of the talk box. And it's funny because even with the talk box, if people call me now like, can you play talk box on it? I don't even own a talk box. Mm. That's how much I play it. I don't own one. <laughs> so, you know, it's like when Roger died, I kind of was like, you know what? I'm gonna let this thing die with him. Mm. So I'll go in and play it. I just did one, you know, the rapper Twister. Yeah, and and the Brad, I just did a song with them. And all that stuff is on YouTube. It's, uh, you know, um, so I, I'm still available. I'm still here. I'm still in the game, and I'm in the game, but lot deeper than a lot of other artists. You know, I do the ones. I just had a, a, a good conversation with my friend Big Rock from Zap. This is right before your conversation. I said, man, one thing about me is I, and he, he recognized it. He said, he said you 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 do what you're comfortable doing. I don't have to be doing music right now. I got several other things I could be doing. I, I, I like to go fishing. And when you get caught up in all I'm going to do is music and, and because that's how you eat. I, I don't know. There's so many other things in life, man. And, and I've been in, in this house by myself for nine months. Mm -hmm. Nobody's here with me. I've been I've been in quarantine for nine months and I love every minute of everything I want is here. So, yeah, music, it, music is good, but it doesn't it doesn't doesn't drive me, you know. There's well, so many other things in life, yeah. Well, that's great, that's a great perspective, but um, mm -hmm. saying all that, I wanna mention uh, some recordings of yours that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, are out there for people to find and enjoy. Oh, yeah. Um, that uh, Soul Power you did. Yes. You know, that is a jam, and you got some voice box on that. That's all voice box. How that came about, that was a Mia Bootsy project. Um, and when I first got back from Japan, um, we actually did it for James. James wanted a different James Brown. He wanted a different version of Soul Power. So me and Bootsy, we, that song actually had Clyde Stubblefield, uh, Catfish, and Bootsy on it. But when James kind of passed on it, I was like, all right, Bootsy, well, I'm going to take all them people off. I'll stay on it and I'll redo it and, and, and just keep the song. So I changed all of the lyrics and everything and, and you know, just made it mine and and, and kept the song and, and just dropped it. It, it. It's not on the album or anything. It's just something that I just threw out there. But it ended up doing OK on, online, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I dig it. Uh, and it's got a lot of shout outs in it, too. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, sure does. Yeah. <laughs> I just remembered that. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, that collection that that's out there, the uh, public, private, personal. Yes, yes. A lot of great tracks on there. I mean, I yeah. dig, I really dig. I'm going to say the ones that I really like, and you can say okay. whatever you want about them. But uh, uh, Sex, sex, sex Capade, that's yep. real strong funk. 
Oh yeah, uh, you got the uh, cover of "Let's Go All the Way." Yes. Um, yeah. Nice cover of "Sideshow," the slow track. Yes. Oh, you like that? I'm glad you like that one. I'm always funny about that one. Let's talk dirty. Real cool bass, mm -hmm. uh, funky track. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I feel love again. Real nice, kind of mid tempo. Yeah. But funky. that was a, that was a that's a remake of a deal record that we did that never came out. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. Um, but overall, and, uh, I mean, all those tracks together, I mean, it's really nice. Lady Rose, Lady Rose is on there. Yeah. That's the one with Gary. Gary Scheider. Yeah. Yeah. That's a mellower track. And, uh, you know, I, I recorded that whole album in a year. I was living in Tokyo. That was the same place that Gary came to record, well, came to play and then came over to the house. I, I started the album. I was I was going to work, not work, but my gig. And every break, I would go home and record the album. And it took me six months to get two or three songs done. I had to flip it in my mind. It was like, you know what? That going home to record the album on the breaks is not working. So I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go. I'm going to stop recording the album to go to work. <laughs> and that's how I ended up getting it done. And it took me a year. Uh, that did. And, and one of the things that I wanted to do on that record, I was listening to a lot. I, that was when Prince had out um, the gold experience. So I wanted to build it from that. That's where my head was. I was listening to a lot of his mixes and just a lot of his instrumentation. If you notice one thing about that, I don't have a lot of synth sounding stuff on there. It's, it, it might be some not non-organic instrument, but I don't have a lot of wound and moods and different synths. I wanted to make that album a little more organic and that was what Bootsy passed on that album. I, I I gave him that album. I was like, hey, man, this is what I got. Uh, what do you want to do? He's like, man, you need to put some of the moves and some of them new sounds in it. It's like, not going to happen. So we're not working on this one together. He didn't want to mess with it because it was just too, this was 2000. Yeah. Yeah, to me, I mean, it shows a lot of growth from. Oh, man. And that's, that's what I say to artists. I said, yeah. you have to grow. Your, your, your first album, even mm. even with singles, you know, I, I, the single that I have out now, uh, uh, Like You Need to Be Loved, it's a great, everybody loved the song. But the next one, it sounds like I grew overnight. And I'm going to run that song for another three, four months. I just want people to live with it, love it. And, and, and I have to, one thing I have to do as an artist is reintroduce myself. So nobody knows Michael Wade, but half the people that knew me uh, are much older now, like listening, you know, so uh, I just, I have so much music, man. And I tell people, I don't need to go record anything else. I just need to get all this stuff out. There's 13 albums. It's just yeah. done. Yeah. Well, yeah. people are going to see this and they're going to learn about some of these things Good. we're talking about Good. and they'll go back Good. Good. and check it out. And that's, Good. you know, yes. but uh, you mentioned um, uh, Big Rob and last yeah. year you had the uh, dance like your star, dance like your star. Yeah, yeah, that that's was a good uh, track too. Oh, you like it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what? We we did that record. We just we just sat in the studio. We matter of fact, that was the day that we found out Prince died. That we cut that record, hmm. and I was at the studio with him, and we were about to get started, and Wolf Litcher was like, "Prince is dead." I'm like, uh huh? So it took us a while to get into the studio, but when we finally did get down there, we went in and cut that, and we just, you know, we just decided to release it. Now we never even put a push behind it; just throw it out there. You know, this is a dance record, uh, 
Yeah, Big Rob has a lot of good records, man. You get him on here. It, it is a dance record, but it's definitely got a funky element, too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so, unless I'm missing something else you want to talk about, that brings me up to the, the new EP, which came out uh, a few months ago. The definition, um, four excellent songs. Oh, you, oh, you like them? Of course, yeah. All right, man. Do you know what? That warms my heart. Because you never know, you know, you never know. Hey, man, we need of, we need more of this kind of music, you know. Um, I'm I'm glad you like it, man. And and it, it's it's funny. One funny thing about that is, um, that's really the demos. That that is the EP. It's kind of an introduction, reintroduction. If you hear those four songs now, which when we actually released the album, which is thirteen song, thirteen fourteen songs on it. We're calling that the deluxe. So when you get this one now, because that's going to leave, <laughs> you know what I mean? When we release that album, there's, oh my God, I'll send you all the stuff, man. There's some stuff on that album that is just ridiculous. I have one where I got a Biggie sample, Biggie Smalls, that's there. That There's uh, there's so much stuff on there, man. That, that record... It's, it's, it's my greatest work, and it gets better. I, the, the one song, Come Over Here, Come On Over Here. That's got that um, rock, some of that rock uh, Absolutely. Yeah. If, you, if, if you hear it now, that was the demo, what you're hearing, which is cool because I want people to get that. But now I've taken, I, like I was telling my brother, what we used to do back in the day when there was tape, you, you, you'd work on a song, and if you didn't get it done, you covered the board up with, the mixing board up with a sheet or a tape or put a note don't touch this and that board would stay like that for weeks while you're working on the song that's where i'm at now with each one of my songs i'm really digging into them for weeks weeks and weeks because there's no pressure and when when i have that pressure i always tell the story about this type of pressure uh, what that album is that you're talking about the definition is me going there's no box that I need to stay in for this album. There's no, okay, this is for a movie, so it has to be melancholy, or it has to be green, or it needs to be a little more blue, or there's no, this is for a rapper, or there's no, this is for Bootsy, or there's no, this is for George. No, this is for me. That's this box. And that box has no limit. It has no boundaries. I can do whatever I want. And a lot of people will go, well, you know, it kind of reminds me of Prince. No. It reminds you of what Prince would do, which is not sound like that stuff. It sounds like it's against the grain is what it sounds like. I mean, of course, it's going to sound something like Prince. We're the same age. We came up the same musically. He came up rock and funk like I did. You know, same thing, classical, all of that. You throw all of that into the mix, of course, because it's going to taste like cake because it's the same ingredients, right? So I, I, I live by that box over there now this is the box to the left is what i eat with this is what i breathe with to the right i can breathe and and know that everything i did in that box right there is exactly what i wanted to do how i want to do it which is the definition and that's what that name is about this is the definition the song the definition something special <laughs> that's going to take you to cameo to you you you'll go larry blackman would want I know you come from around the way, Illinois, maybe Monterey. Come on, man. <laughs> Ain't <laughs> nothing one. wrong with that. Man, listen, 
Larry, when Larry hears that, he's going to go, man, can you give me one of them? Can I have that one? And, and, and because this is what I come up with. It's not a cameo song. It's just the ingredients that they use to make the cameo cake with. I know those ingredients. Give me some of them. But then I'm going to throw in some microwave stuff and some zap stuff and some print stuff. And I'm going to throw it all in there because this is who I am. This is who y'all raised me as. You know what I mean? And I was raised like that. So I, I don't I don't run from it. Well, and on, on these four songs, I mean, A Letter to Prince obviously is like a tribute and has a Prince uh, flavor yeah. to it. But Shots Fired also is like a real funky, princey type. Yeah, yeah. And you're doing yeah. the falsetto thing. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's good. It's well done, man. Yeah. Well, there's, there, there's that story, man. <laughs> yeah, you got it. And you need to be loved is, um, yeah, I would say it's like a, it's like a sultry kind of funk. Yeah, people are loving that one, man. People that that one right now. Have you seen the the uh, the little video we have? Of yeah, that? yeah, it's uh, yeah. of of the pandemic video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And I want to do a, a letter to Prince like that. Um, just because people, you know, our, our people, they, they, they hear with their eyes now. They hear with their eyes. You know, you, they, they want to see stuff. That's my audience wants to see it. You send a record all day. I've put that, like, You Need to Be Love. I put that song out two months ago, maybe 100 views. I put it with that video, 4,000 in four days. It's like, okay, they want to see it. That's my audience. And I'm not mad at them. <laughs> you want to see it? Here it is. Let's go. <laughs> Well, Michael, you know, of course, we get a lot of Prince uh, fans watching this show. So what, what can you uh, tell them about the inspiration for A Letter to Prince? A Letter to Prince. Um, well, when Prince died, I, I shut down. I've always been a Prince fan and I've never met him. And in some ways, I feel like that's not a bad thing that I never met him. Um, but I know plenty of people that know him. So we're connected. I believe he knows who I am. Um, nothing else from Deal. He has a picture and has always had a picture of the Deal on his inspiration wall. Not that I was in the picture, but he knows that. Um, so when Prince died, I, I, shut it, I shut down musically and I couldn't, couldn't pull it together musically. And, and so what I did, I couldn't. I couldn't write. I was like, I have a writer's block. So I went, I went in my RV and I just listened to nothing but Prince. Every album, every remix, every, every jazz version, every whatever dub. Prince, Prince, Prince for two weeks. And we're listening to nothing but Prince. And what I got out of it was you have to write what you feel. Don't worry about what's out in the world. Um, or what flavor of the week, write what you're writing and call it a day. And I went and sat in the studio in my basement. I was living in Ohio then. Um, I wrote this music, all that, that song is eight minutes long. I sung it from first line to last line, one take. The guitar solo, which is not a guitar, it's me on a keyboard. I played it from first line to last night, one take. Um, about halfway through, you can hear me crying in the record. Um, you hear it. if now that you know it's there, you hear me, yeah, no more, no more. And what I was singing about when I keep saying no more, no more, no more, is all of these artists that are dying from drug-induced deaths. 
And I'm like, you got no more. It's like, this is a letter to Prince. It used to be called a letter to Prince from Prince. And it was called a letter to all of y'all. And my manager was finally like, nah, man, just a letter to Prince. We get it from there. And it was heartfelt. It was lyrically, it was what I wanted, what I would say to Prince. You know, it, 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 it's almost like a love letter. And I'm like, I was in love with him, but it's like, come on, man, you, you got it. Uh, did you not get the memo that this shit is killing people? Did you not get that? You got to stop. You know, we need you here. I don't believe that you're ever going to come back. Got to let you go. Now I got to let you go because of whatever. I mean, I know you're going through something. You're going through something. You're going to go through something. But you got to you gotta let it go. Uh, 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 inject me with Novocaine. Around the time he died, my mom died. My brother died. My first wife died. My second wife died. Uh, man, my brother-in-law died. It's just death was all around me, man. And I kept hearing this song in my head and I had to go cut it. Um, and it was very, it's really an emotional song. And, and a lot of stuff that's in there stayed because it's like, it was all heartfelt. And if people go, man, it sounds like Prince. I said, it should, it, 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 I, I, I got the memo. I do. That's what, if it sounds like that, that's what it was supposed to do. I know my way around this music thing. So if it sounds like something, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and this is a dedication to Prince and it does exactly what I expected it to do. Um, I haven't pushed that song because I'm never going to push that song as a single. I want people to find it. I want it to be organic. I don't want, I don't want anybody to go, yeah, you know, let me listen to it. I want you to hear that and hear it again because you want to, not because I forced it on you. And we have a way of doing that. We can make you like it. You know, there's a lot of Purple Rain in that. There's a lot of uh, uh, Dollar Nikki. There's every song that, 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 that I felt from Prince. In that song, I just wanted that song to rise from my fingers to the heavens so he gets it. That's the letter. And, and that's where I was at with that. Yeah. And, so, you know, yeah, I felt like um, I've said so many times, but really, I felt like I lost a brother when we lost him. Absolutely. Um, absolutely, man. Yeah. He's a big force. Yeah. Yeah. And then just a few months later, you're talking about the losses, and but also musically, Bernie Worrell was just a few months later. And, yeah. 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 You know, Lots of lots of stuff, you know, it, and it got to the point where I've gotten, I had to accept death. It's like, hey, this, this is the process, and this is what it is. And now we up to four hundred million, four hundred thousand people. It's like, wow, this is the process. But that's not part of the process. That's no. not the point, of, you know. So anyway, so I, I mean, I want people to to enjoy the music, man. I, I inject me with Novocaine. Can I just numb the pain? I want to get out of here. Let, let, just let me breathe again. And that comes from my brother that died, uh, two years older than me, my drummer. And he couldn't breathe when he was dying. He died of lung cancer. So he's sitting up there. He said, I just want to breathe again. I want to breathe again. Let me live. Let me live. You know, so with, with some songs uh, that I write, you know, the real stuff, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and we well, have to put them out there. Yeah, I like that. You know, you even included his name in that track. You know, in the title. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's what it was about, man. All right. So, uh, Michael, how can everyone keep up with what you're doing? How can they get the new music? Um, there's music in wherever you get your music. There's there. Just look for Michael Wave, M-I-C-O space W-A-V-E. 
um, social media, you got the real microwave and then you have microwave music and then just microwave on Facebook. Uh, that name is easy. Google me, Google me, Google me, Google me, Google me, Google me. Yes. Yes. And so that's it. You know, microwave, that's where we are. I, and, and it's a pleasure being here, man. And I was stoked for this. I, I got ready for this for two days. <laughs> I hope it lived up to those expectations. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Man, I put the good lights in today. Yeah, <laughs> Yes, sir. No, yeah. it's a pleasure, man. Pleasure. Well, hey. My, and, and I'm looking forward to doing this again after we make a little bit more noise. Yes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, Submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net, and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results oriented professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing on to the rhythm of the one.